Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 45, Family Law with Molly Kenny. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. And this is Dr. Donna Bevanley, helping you heal your family legacy. Welcome back. And uh, today I have a surprise for you. Um, I was going to address some issues that might have some concerns for people over the holiday today, but I'm going to do that next time because I have a really special guest with me today. And um, she's right here with me. That makes me feel pretty happy. Um, she is a friend of mine. We've been friends for a long time. We met professionally in Seattle, but uh, then we became friends. And her name's Molly Kenny, and she is a, an attorney, pretty high-powered attorney in Seattle, does family law. And so we've had many conversations over the years about family of origin and issues in family of origin and trauma and uh, childhood trauma and how that affects uh, us in our daily lives and how to recover. So I want you, Molly, to uh, tell us a story about how this has worked for you, like a little bit about what you do now and and the, some of the kind of trauma that you experienced as a child and how that has impacted you in your daily life, and then how you've recovered, because you've done a wonderful job of that. Well, uh, what I do now is I practice family law. I've been doing divorce work for about 20-plus years. I did a bunch of other kind of stuff before then, and I find it to be the most rewarding legal work I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredibly meaningful, and I've developed a real skill for it. Um, so I love it. I will continue to do it. Um, my a little bit about my family background is I'm the oldest of five in a Catholic family. And my mom, she just really didn't like me. And I figured that out very early on. Obviously, not that consciously, but... Um, you know, my next two younger sisters, my next youngest sister, it's her birthday today, and we're the same age because she's only mm -hmm. 10 months younger than I am. Um, and they were very compliant children. I was not. She would tell me I was disobedient and bossy and mean and selfish. And so um, I, I, I figured out very early on that the family was not a safe place for me. And at some point, I remember thinking like, oh, well, I'm going to be smart. If I be smart, then I'll, I'll be safe. I'll figure out how to be safe. Yeah, well, that never really took me anywhere and, and until I decided to go to law school. Um, and uh, I mean, my childhood was pretty lonely growing up. I, I didn't, because I didn't have that emotional connection, I didn't quite know how to make friends and I didn't quite know how to interact. And um, anyway, I, I eventually figured it out. I got to college and made lots of friends and went to law school um, and um, really just learned how to think. And and so that was, 
was kind of a salvation for me because then I, I could function and be accepted in the world, mm-hmm. you know, because I could think. And so that's the shorthand version. Yeah, well, that is a shorthand version. Um, would you care to share some of the experiences you had as a child where you can actually look back and say, oh, this thing that didn't work for me was definitely related to that thing that happened? Uh I don't think I can be that precise, Donna, mm-hmm. because it was all, you know, the emotional environment was pretty bleak for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I can be that precise. I mean, I remember, well, one, one thing I can tie together is when I became pregnant with my first child, I swore I would never be a parent like that. I mean, the way that I was treated, I just swore whatever it took, I was not going to do that. Um, now, uh, my youngest son would say I did a lot of other things, but uh, I mean, it was so crystallized in me that I just could not do that to any human being that I brought into this world. Yeah. And so you, how did you change the way you parented? I actually allowed myself to feel as much love as I possibly could for these human beings. I don't think that, I'm sure my mother, in her fashion, she loved me, but it wasn't anything I ever felt. It wasn't anything I ever saw. It wasn't anything I could ever describe as love. Um, so it's an idea that you have. It wasn't really a feeling. It wasn't really a feeling until these little creatures were born and came mm-hmm. into my life. And then it was this like this fountain that just exploded mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so so that was the love you had for your son. Yes. Right. But when you said um, I knew my mother loved me in her fashion, I did. It wasn't based on feeling. So I said, was well, was it just an idea that mothers must love their children or based on what you experienced? Or how did you come to that? And what about the idea that maybe she didn't? Well, I mean, of course, I read lots of books, talked to lots of people, and I knew there was this notion of love out there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't right. know what it felt like. Right. Um, and until I got married and then I could feel my husband's love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I read about it. Mm-hmm. It was like a concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like you said, I knew my mother loved me and my family. I mean, I, I'm just going to guess she did, Donna. Okay. So, well, I think it's important <laughs> yeah. in, in okay. the work, you know, what we've been talking about yeah. is that, you know, it's like the idea that all parents love their children. It's like, is that real? I mean, I've certainly heard a lot of over my professional <laughs> yeah, life yeah. Uh, stories about would would in that would indicate that well maybe some people shouldn't be parents or some people uh, sh- you know you're a family law person yeah. does that ever cross your mind it's like yeah I don't think you really love these children I don't know why you're doing this but um, because I it sounds like if you were growing up in a family where you were the oldest and you were the one that it's like you weren't compliant and 
And it's like, because I'm, I'm relating this back to some of the other podcasts where I was talking about what is child abuse, abandonment, mm-hmm. neglect, yes. and how it, it manifests itself in families and how, how children are impacted by that. And you described a situation where you're the oldest. You had two sisters behind you that were very compliant. And, you know, as if somehow that's, you know, in their DNA, I don't think so, because children by nature are not compliant. They're busy, you know, challenging everything and looking at everything and learning all kinds of things. And so, they, you know, it's like my guess, and it's a guess because I wasn't there, but if you didn't feel like mom loved you very much, then your two sisters were looking at you because you're the oldest, and they're saying to themselves, well, we know what not to do <laughs> so that, you know, mom will be nice to us yeah, or mom will guess. love us. Yeah. And so they looked at you because, you know, oldest children in the family are usually bigger than life to the younger children. And uh, you, whether you like it or not, are the example because you're the oldest child. And they're looking at you going, well, we're not going to do that because look what happens to her. And so they were back there looking at that making decisions about how they were going to manage it because they didn't want to be like you and get that kind of feedback from her. Um, And so, you know, you got to say, well, what is it about, you know, a, a darling little girl that comes into the world to you and as a parent, you absolutely do things that would, in that would, uh, make the child determine that you didn't like it, right? And you said she was critical of you and she didn't have nice things to say to you. And uh, and so when you grow up in that environment and then you see that the people behind you are not getting that kind of feedback from mother, it's like as a child, you make up stories Absolutely. in your head about it. Yeah. And what was the story you made up? I don't know exactly what I can say. The story I made up, I think I went numb. Okay. I so you stopped feeling. I stopped feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I stopped feeling, and the emotional environment, my internal emotional environment was just sort of gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then you get married. You can allow yourself to feel your husband's love and you also have these children and you like the world opens up and you feel so much love yes because you said to yourself i'm not gonna do the same thing that my mother did yes and then i was wondering well if you decide you're not gonna do the same thing that your mother did then one of the things that happens with people is they go to the opposite extreme Right. Because if you shut down on your kid and then you go the opposite strength extreme and you're like open, open, open. And there's no, you know, emotional boundaries or anything that's going on. Or you check out, okay, like you said, reading books and figuring out, okay, how can I do this different? Um, and you know, how do I go about making different choices about how I'm going to relate to my children and all this. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, 
You might not know right off the bat, but you could take a few minutes and think, how did I do that? How, how did I make the choices that I did? And what was the impact on them? But the other piece I think is even more important is to really say, how did it affect me growing up with that feeling? You know, because one of the things, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but one of the things that children do when they're in an environment where they don't feel loved by their parent is they think, well, it's about me. You know, something must be wrong with Mm me. I must be a bad person or I must be a flawed person or whatever. And when I asked you, what was the story made up? You might not remember, but when you think about it, knowing yourself as you do and how that, you know, what you were like in that family and with especially with the relationship. And oh, by the way, there was a father there, right? Yes, there was a father there. What was he doing? So (laughs) he was traveling a lot for work. Okay, so he wasn't around. (laughs) He wasn't around. No. So basically, you know, through no fault of, you know, I mean, he wasn't being a bad person, but he was just like, well, I'm not here, so I don't have to worry about it. But what was the story made up? What was wrong with you, do you think? I I don't know, Donna. I knew there was something wrong with me because it was happening to me. And, and it didn't, and not my sisters. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my brother came along, and he was like the second firstborn. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, Jesus Christ walks on water, and uh, yeah. So I, I just knew there was something wrong with me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I was defective. And I was broken. Deep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you. You know, you, you kind of made your way through school, through high school and all that until you got to college. You said you had friends. Yeah. Did you have friends in high school? I mean, did you? I had a couple, but I didn't. Yeah, not really. Not a lot. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to really build relationship. Mm-hmm. I hadn't experienced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a few friends, mm-hmm. but not like now I know that friendship can exist and can grow and not like what I experienced when I got to college. Well, most children don't know how to have relationships. Mm -hmm. Their primary relationship with their parents and their siblings is where they get the, you know, the, the basic, uh, training. Well, I had no training then. (laughs) And so then you went and you know what? Like looked at how other people did it and tried to do it that way, or yes, I did, and I tried to gravitate towards people who I kind of thought were a little bit like me or who showed a an openness to you know friendship. You know, some you know people are more open than other people. So yeah, I tried to just kind of like figure it out like I'm driving down the road. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this person, yeah. That person, no. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how did that work in terms of like primary relationships? Did that, did you find that you were able to make good choices? Um, Sometimes, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, until I met my husband, I had lots of boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Um some of them were good. Some of them were not so good. That sounds pretty normal. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so when 
when you were having primary relationships, what were the the ones that weren't so good? Can can you identify what about them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It if I when I look now, and if I look tomorrow, it might be different. Mm-hmm. But if, looking now, because nobody's ever asked me that quite that way, I had adopted some of my mother's behaviors of getting angry, having unrealistic expectations, not knowing how to handle normal, natural conflict in a relationship. So those weren't very productive behaviors with mm-hmm. a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So, so you said you adopted because I didn't know how else right. to yeah. resolve conflict. You, right, you get mad and you scream. Isn't uh, that how you resolve it? <laughs> I don't know. I know That's how, how I resolve it. <laughs> so, so you would scream. Yeah, yeah, and and then were you critical? Like yes, I mother? think I was critical. I think I was withholding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. Kind of that little passive aggressive thing. Yes. Where people all get with. I'm just going to storm away here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> right. Okay. And then what happened? Do you think was it just over time you discovered that well that doesn't work or did you go off and learn skills or? I I have been a seeker since pretty early in my life, probably starting, I would say late college, early law school. So I started reading books. Um, and it was really sort of at the beginning of the self-help movement. And there really weren't a lot of like in-person workshops, but I started reading books and, mm-hmm. um, and then I started going to workshops and, and it was this whole kind of world that opened up like, you know, oh, we have an internal world and we do have some power and control over it and uh, and I can change some of how I feel and some of how I think and yes mm-hmm. so what kind of books were you reading in the beginning I don't even remember Donna probably <laughs> I just would go to the bookstore and a title would catch my mm-hmm. eye and maybe something as simple as like how to make friends you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dale Carnegie know. how to make friends yeah. and influence people yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that was. I think that was, you know, when I look back on the self help movement started in the seventies, and that was one of the books that was, you know, people yeah. people really picked up on because, you know, I think uh, the the manner in which people raised children in the fifties and sixties was, you know, it's like spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, make them behave in ways that, you know, suit suit you Yes, <laughs> as a parent, rather than being able to look at them and say, well, they can only act their age because, gee, they're only their age, right? Yes. And uh, so what happened to you was, well, your mother wanted you, wanted you to, my guess would be she had you as a way to fulfill the vacancy that her husband created when he'd go off and be gone. Yes. He, she needed a companion and you didn't do it right. <laughs> I didn't do it right. You were probably acting like a baby when you were a baby, <laughs> you know, needy, uh-huh. insecure, yes. dependent, and yeah. 
when, you know, when a person's sitting there going, yeah, but wait a minute, you know, it's like, act, act your age. <laughs> That's usually what they say without realizing that, oh, she is acting her age. Yes. <clears throat> And, and I think that's really what kind of sparked the self-help movement is it is that people came out of those environments feeling bad and insecure and boys came out of those environments because boys were really like to be celebrated. Yes. And so boys came out of those environments. Sometimes I think they they didn't have a strong sense of esteem at home, maybe sometimes. But they certainly got it in, in the world. many ways yes. as soon as they stepped out the front door. and uh, <clears throat> But girls were supposed to be staying at home, uh, learning how to be good wives and good mothers and blah, blah, blah. And people like yourself, it's like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going off to school. And you were. And, and you did. And then you went to law school. And what made you decide law school? Well, I had this social science undergraduate degree, and the catalog said this prepares the student for further graduate study. <laughs> so I knew I had to do something, and I got a work-study job with um, uh, a legislator in the state of Michigan, and he was a lawyer, and I was totally fascinated. I was totally captivated. Mm -hmm. So I decided to apply for law school, and, and I, I went. And just as a little story about thinking about my mother, who totally wanted me to go to college and get a husband. So I graduated from law school, and she's there. And I'm number 10 in my class, and I fought hard for that position to graduate number 10 cum laude. So we're at, we walk out and we're out on the steps of the auditorium. And she says to me, Molly, you were the only woman who wore pants. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there were only 10 women in my class. <laughs> right. And how many people were in the class? 150. Oh, and so 10 women. And I was the only uh -huh. one who wore pants. Right. Oh. Instead of saying, wow, we're so proud of you and what an achievement and you're the only one that wore pants. So, you know, that, and which goes back to one of the other issues that I've talked about in the past. And that is that um, many times people see their children as like a reflection of themselves. Yes. And, you know, your mother was never happy about the reflection she saw. Oh, that's so good, Donna. Yeah, she was never yeah. happy. So it's like pick, 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 and what's wrong with you? And and that reinforced your belief that, well, something must be. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. How did you feel when she said that? I was stunned. That's all I remember is feeling stunned. Like, that's all you got to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and so you became an overachiever in law. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Yes, you know that about me. I'm an overachiever. I do. I do. I know that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And was that ever um, enough for her? No, never, never. What was that? What kinds of uh, comments did she make about you as you went through your life? She she never quite got it. When I got married and I had two kids, that was fulfilling some expectation that I was kind of fitting into her image. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, because, you know, 
a lot of people that might be listening to this, maybe, maybe <laughs> um, it's if you could talk a little bit more about if you could remember or even anticipate or, you know, not anticipate, but if you could remember back to like when you start going self-help books and workshops, could you be a little more specific? Because if you can remember any specifics, is that people might be listening to this saying, well, that sounds like a good road for me. I mean, she has, she overcame all of that. And, you know, I don't know if you looked it square in the face, like, wow, that was, that was problematic. And this is what I'm going to do different. But when you say, well, I went to the self-help, but I went to workshops, it's like, maybe you could share with the audience a little bit about what specific kinds of books, if you can remember, or workshops, if you can remember, really spoke to you or the kinds of things that you've done. Well, I think the first workshop that really spoke to me was, it was one award or Earhart's workshops. It was like, I don't know, a three or a four day, um, what was it called? Something like the yeah. S training or something like that. And I know it's got this Finding bad. it or something. Yeah. You were trying to find it or, um, yeah. But it was really an exploration into your internal life. And I remember being stunned at the depth of the internal life. And I remember feeling what well, the, the biggest discovery I made in that first workshop was I didn't like myself. Hmm. And I was stunned by that revelation. Um, and it was incredibly painful, but I knew it was something I had to work on. Mm -hmm. And I slowly worked on it. So when you discovered that, and it was terribly painful uh, to you, um, can you I, can you identify? Was there a specific kind of thing, or like a an exercise you did, or something that made that when you realized that? No, I think it was just the result of the whole mm -hmm. weekend or the whole four days. Mm -hmm. Do they still have that? Yeah, it's now under, It's I think it's called Landmark. And, oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Okay, was, it, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap this? No, it's just a journey totally worth taking. Mm -hmm. Totally worth taking. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Donna. And uh, I guess we'll say keep going. <laughs> Don't give up. I won't. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2021, Dr. Donna Bevanly, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.